Hey there, and welcome to Leading Change Conversations, the podcast where we tackle real-life challenges with leaders like you to make organizational change a breeze. In this episode, we look into how to become a good leader of change. So tune in if you want to get concrete and applicable actions that you can take to lead people through change in an inspiring, authentic, and credible way. I am Ulrike Seminati, I'm your host, and I train, coach, and inspire leaders and leadership teams to turn into successful change agents, to communicate with impact, and to lead with authenticity. So now let me introduce you to our amazing guest of today's episode, Marta Lodarsh. With over nine years of experience at a consulting company, Marta is a senior engagement manager who leads large-scale strategy, organizational, and technology transformations for clients in various sectors, such as financial services, IT, consumer goods, and advanced industries. Her core competencies include strategic planning, business development, organizational design, talent and leadership, and transformations. Welcome, Marta. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. I'm very pleased to uh, attend it. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I think you have a lot of background in this area. A bit like me, we have both a lot of connection points with leaders from across different organizations and see also a lot what's going on there. How do you work with leaders when it comes to change? What are you doing every day? So the programs I was leading so far usually involve the reorganization, change of product portfolios, change of business unit structure, entering the new markets, divestitures or acquisitions. And when we face these challenges and the new, um, new, new steps the company wants to take, we need to first understand what the most important things are and what the priorities are for the executive team. This environment is usually very uncertain. There's a lot of priorities flying around. People are a bit in fear. They don't know what's coming up. So our role usually is to structure this, understand what the problem is, underlying root causes design different solutions, different scenarios an executive team could, could follow. And then after a series of workshops, help the leaders decide what to do next. I'm doing things a bit differently. So I'm coming in when it comes to trainings. And what I see, you mentioned the word that's very important, fear. <laughs> what I see very often is there, there is a fear of change, which often is not pronounced because it's not attractive to be fearful. Obviously, we don't want to, to appear as fearful to others especially leaders in high-level positions who want to show that. Whereas we all have it. We all have fear of change. It's, it's in human nature. It's a normal thing to have. And um, very often that holds leaders back from, well, from going for the change, from really embracing it themselves. So what I see from my perspective is often that leaders do not take enough time to understand, first of all, what is holding them back to be inspired of the change, to be able to embrace it. Because we, if you don't feel it yourself, if there's no self-leadership first, let's say, then it's very difficult to lead others. And, and lead, leaders become then very inauthentic and not very credible. And then they have a really, really hard time to overcome obstacles. How do you see that? Absolutely. I fully agree with you. I see that very often. I think um, for every leader, it's important to establish what's the meaning and purpose of their work. And once they already know what the meaning and purpose is, it's easier to align their actions to, to these values. 
So in an ideal world, the purpose of, of a leader would be, I would like my employees to feel very good at the workplace, or I would love my company to produce amazing financial results, or I would love my enterprise to provide services and products in the market, which are unmatched by any other competitor. But very often when we come in and start change programs, they forget about the meaning and purpose and they focus more on the internal interesting motivator. For example, will I still have my budget? Will I keep my team? Will I keep my position? Will I still have a job in one year from now? So it's extremely important as, a, as a leaders of change and also as consultants to navigate this stuff. Because it's not only sometimes about the organization, it's also about the individuals per se. And understanding what they value and what is important for them, it's, it's really crucial. Very often as well, the resistance to change comes from the fact that people feel that something what they value very much is, is, is a threat. Transformation programs, change programs involves over time. Very often it's something driven on top of a regular business as usual activities. So even a fear that the family time, for example, will be now reduced because of longer working hours or, or more stress is going to come. That's something also we need to navigate as leaders of change. Yeah, we need to really understand what motivates people or what, what is fearful to them first before we jump into um, communicating the objectives that are the internal organizational objectives. And I think this is often overlooked deliberately sometimes because it feels like being too complex. So looking really at who am I speaking to? I mean, if you're the CEO and you're speaking to the whole organization and your organization is 10,000 people, then you don't know all 10,000 people, that's for sure. But you have different types of profiles and understanding the fears that are in the different levels of the organization potentially and what people really care of, which is what you say, it's often their private life. You know, is this, is this something that is threatening the ways of working now, which means my, my life balance is out of balance, actually. Will I lose time with my family? Will I maybe even lose my job? Will I not like my job anymore? There are many of these considerations and people have that in mind permanently when it comes to change. And often we try to not address these at all and immediately go to the bigger goal. You know, we want to have this growth in our company or we need to, to digitalize in this area more to be more effective, which are all logical things, but people don't buy in with their heart. And then what kicks in is just, okay, the rational mind understands this fully, but the heart says no. And this is why people procrastinate on the tasks they have to do, do not really get into action mode, do not bring ideas as well. And that's what we then feel as resistance or as people being slow with the change. When we prepared this talk a little bit, you also said that it's important to have a certain resilience yourself as a leader first, especially in change situations. Do you want to elaborate on this a little bit? Absolutely. So over the course of time, I witness very often clients who are in a leadership positions and they were leading change, for example, chief transformation officers, and their life is extremely busy. They also have a high pressure because they need to deliver what the transformation goals are. Maybe sometimes the improvement of the bottom line over the two, three years or improvement of revenue. And when they face all these challenges, uh, board of directors asking for more employees, being unhappy or maybe overloaded, 
they really need to take care of their own psychological and physical health. I would like to especially em emphasize this because I've seen situations where chief transformation officers were at the verge of burnout or they were exploding at their employees, causing lots of stress, which also was not very inspirational. Or they were just simply leaving the position because they couldn't manage anymore. So I think to better personal resilience, there are multiple components, obviously. I think the first very important component is a sense of direction. So it's extremely important that they know where they're heading to, they know why they're heading to it, and they build their own personal change story. So they have a conviction built in themselves that what they do is right. So an example could be seeing also some personal connection to the goal. Let's say it's not only about optimizing the profit, but it's also about making sure that this company is going to survive, stay on the market, not go bankrupt, and therefore we're going to save jobs for 60,000 people. And being connected to this all employees, that's super important. So sense of direction is extremely, extremely important. The second thing is this leadership roles in the change management setup are very lonely. All the eyes are on that person. That person needs to deliver. That person has a lot of other people to manage as well. Flying priorities, lots of changes as well, uncertainty. So it's very important for the leaders to as well find some good mentors and sponsors. Mentors who could give them direct counter feedback, how they could improve, but also sponsors uh, among the executive team or, or the board of directors who would actually as well stand up for, for that person in the tough situations. So I'll give you another example. It was a two-year transformation. The objective was um, to improve the profitability of this company. And in, unfortunately, it involved as well some layoffs, efficiency layoffs. And this transformation leader was extremely stressed out by all the interactions with the workers' council and all the unions. And at some point, the, the, the global HR officer was very resistant, didn't want to cooperate, didn't want to be on board of that program. And thanks to the help of one of the board of directors members, this transformation leader could overcome this, this bottlenecks and obstacles and having a conversation together or people in the same room really helped to move the program forward. So the second point about sponsorship, mentorship, extremely important as well. The third point is about the very good collaboration with their own team. So usually the transformation leaders have transformation team, work team needs or initiative owners or, or people who lead separate projects. So this, and the fourth component is just the personal leadership. So being able to prioritize well, using the time well, using time for activities which only this one person can do and cannot be delegated, for example. So analyzing the calendar, making sure that the time and effort is spent where most value is created, super important. At the same time, still keeping in mind everything what happens outside of the job. Because I believe that the person can perform very well in a job only thanks to all the good things which happen outside of the job. So finding the ways to recharge and replenish the energy. Understanding what takes the energy away and what replenishes this energy is also very important. Finding time for sports, uh, which could be exercise or time in nature, as well emotional uh, replenishment, like good relationships with friends or family, 
These are all very important components of the overall well-being of the leader, which as well contribute to resilience. Yeah, thank you for these four points. And I think there's a lot in it. If I come back to the very first one, when it's about psychological health and giving yourself a real why you're doing this, I think this is very often the first step where leaders do not take the time because there's so much time pressure. Usually you get your tasks, you have to, you have your goals, you have to really speed with it and go very quickly and move on with it. And then they don't take the time to ask themselves why actually they want to do this. And I think the why is multi-layered because there's the why of the company that you might want to embrace and are able to embrace. But if it's not enough to bring your heart into it, your, your real motivation, your intrinsic motivation, then I think leaders really need to think out of the box a bit and think about what is this change project bringing to me as a person or as a leader? Is there an experience that I will make, an experience that will make me grow and really think egoistically about that? Why not? Yeah. Or is this maybe a stepstone in my career because I get the visibility to move on to another position afterwards? Is there something in it for me that really motivates me, motivates me over the time to go through all of this pressure and the stress that the change is bringing with me? I think that's an important aspect. And what I see in leadership trainings is always when I work on this, what I call the I dimension, yeah, think first about yourself, then you think about the we dimension about the team. Leaders have the tendency to, to jump over it, you know, to don't do that. As if they were not used to doing that, I really encourage leaders to look much, much more, first of all, into what's about you, what's in it for you as a person. And then you can move on how you sell it to your team, how you communicate it, how you can merge your own motivations with those of the organization to make it really, really authentic and make it very tangible then for others because they can feel that there's some material behind it inside of you. And I think this human aspect of change is often overlooked. So I like that idea very much. And I think when it comes to managing the stress and like you say, having some balance, doing some sports, doing something for yourself. Don't forget yourself just because you think, oh, it's a stressful phase of six or 12 months. I will just go through that and afterwards I take care of myself. It's super dangerous because there might not be an afterwards. And we all know that one change project is following another one and then you are in this hamster wheel and you don't even know anymore how to take time for yourself. And there's this matrix between important things and urgent things. And usually we put all in the it's urgent and important box. And there's this box which is only important and which we have the tendency to procrastinate. And in the box, what's really important are often more strategic things, things that are happening in the middle long term. Everything that's about our personal health often is in the important box, but not urgent because, yeah, we can also start tomorrow. Why not? <laughs> next week or next month. And then we never do it. And yes. I think looking more into what's only important but not urgent and giving very consciously some space and some time during your day or during a week to only important things makes a huge difference in your time management. And overall, it helps you also to strategically shape your future in a different way. I think this is really good what you mentioned, Bart, because very often we see leaders being very short-sighted and optimizing toward the financial results of a given financial year. But certain things take really long time. Like if you, if a company wants to be a market leader in customer service and support, for example, for the services they provide or products, 
this is not going to happen overnight. This is something which has to be built over five to 10 years to be really excellent in it. So having these long-term goals all the time on the horizon and every Monday morning, let's say, refreshing it and thinking, what do I do this week to actually fit and work on this long-term goal is extremely important. Otherwise, the short sightedness kicks in and that's just not sometimes what is the most important thing to achieve. So absolutely agree with you. Prioritization, having this time, um, a quiet time on Monday mornings to review all the priorities alongside of the strategic goals is very important. Mm. And it makes sense because I hear often people saying, oh, I don't have I don't have time on Monday. My first meeting starts at eight and until I work and so on and so forth. And I think we just need to shift uh, how we build our week and how we prioritize. And yes. making the prioritization as such a priority, yes. I think that makes a real difference because then we get into some structure and most people like and need structure to function well and to have a certain feeling of safety. And that in turn has also an influence on how we perceive or feel the fear of the change and the instability that is ahead of us. Because when we create for us a certain rhythm and a certain security and stability in the way how we how we shape our week, even if there are a lot of unforeseen things, things happening for sure, a lot of unplanned meetings happening from moment to another, but we have a different way of structuring it. And this gives us a feeling of security. And I think that is an important point when it comes to maintaining a certain resilience and a certain stability and this feeling of control that many people need, you get a bit more of that when you do that on a, on a permanent level. Without being too strict, obviously, you can stick to your plans to a certain degree, but then you have to be flexible as well. Absolutely. Think about now about communication, <laughs> which is obviously one of my main topic areas. But effective communication during change is often very difficult. Effective communication as such is difficult mm -hmm. because people are different. And that means that we have to adapt our communication all the time. How do you see effective change communications? What are some elements that you would put in there? Absolutely. I think this is very important because there would be nothing worse than employees knowing about changes before it was officially communicated. That creates a lot of fear and stress and also sometimes potentially losing uh, talent as well. So I think there are multiple uh, levels of communication. I think before any transformation or change program starts, the leaders need to sit down and write their own personal change story. And actually sitting down and writing it out on the paper really helps, not only thinking about it in a head. Mm -hmm. And then based on that change story and the main storyline of that change story, they could tailor away all communication which is happening after. All the emails, all the presentations in the town halls, one-on-one -on -one conversations with their team, then this this film from the change story can basically be woven in into all that communication strategies. Then I think in that kind of situation, what is also very important is to have some kind of organized communication internally for all the employees, announcing what's going to happen. It doesn't have to have all the details. It doesn't have to say exactly what will happen when. But it could be basically something along the line, we're starting this change program, our major goals are this, and later will be communicated on this and this date. So as people know when to expect the next steps. And then uh, 
frequently asked questions and answers for managers, a small portfolio of this, a small, small document, which could be handy in the one-on-one -on -one conversations, because there could be a very, very difficult situations when employees in a lot of fear will keep coming and asking what will happen with me. Will I keep my job? Will I get a severance package? What's going to, to happen in, in five months from now? So that could also be very helpful, especially for people managers who also feel a lot of pressure from, from multiple dimensions. And that's all around the internal communication. The external communication is also quite important, especially for publicly quoted companies, because that obviously impacts the share, share prices. So this also has to be careful, carefully managed. And in this kind of respect, the earlier the better, because also people might want to avoid the situations that the rumors start spreading around before official communication is issued. Yeah, what I've seen in communication very often that leadership teams, senior leadership teams hesitate too long to communicate because they feel we don't have all the information. We cannot give all the answers. There is anyway no such thing like all the answers. <laughs> It's endless. But that is a, that's a very common mistake that they postpone the official communication, be it internal or external. And that is exactly what's happening, what you said right now, which is that things filter through somehow, rumors start spreading, and that creates so much insecurity in the organization. And it's very, very hard to then come back and to create trust again and the buy-in for the, for the project or the change. And externally, it's exactly the same thing. So I would also really encourage leaders to to decide very early on to communicate and to openly say, we don't have all the answers yet. We don't have all the plan yet, but we want to inform you really ahead of time so that you can get your head around. And it's also a great opportunity, I think, to ask the people for ideas at the very early stage, not when everything is already planned through from the beginning till the end, because people have a very concrete idea very often of the area they're working in and they have valuable inputs to give which you just erase right from the start when you come with a fixed and, and ready plan where they cannot change anything. And I think this in turn also empowers people just to come in with their ideas versus rolling over them in a certain way. And like what you mentioned very early on, that they have the feeling everything that we have done so far was useless or not good enough or isn't valued anymore. They don't even see it. They just come with the new thing and the old one out of the window, not no acknowledgement so far for whatever has happened until now. And I think this is, this is very interesting when we look at the moment of communicating. When do we communicate? So communicating earlier, even if you don't feel ready, make yourself ready in a certain way, be honest about the gaps that are open. I would like to come back to your personal change story. I think when somebody has this change story that you feel with your heart, where you're really into it, You yes. can communicate differently. And also the way how you role model throughout the change becomes very, very different. Yes. Because what you also mentioned in the beginning, when you said often transformation leads, for example, if they don't care about themselves, if they don't have this personal change story, if they have not been become clear on why they are actually doing all of that, over time they they're in such a stressful situation mm -hmm. that actually they really struggle Yeah, to role model because they look so stressed. People feel that they are stressed and near to burnout. And then it stresses all the other people around them as well. And they feel like very, very insecure. And 
what we really want to avoid during change is to create even more insecurity because that is what's the most harmful to people's productivity, actually. Do you have any other hints or tips how, how leaders can be a really great role model throughout the change and also on a continuous level, not just in the beginning? So I think it all comes down to some, well, as we mentioned already, purpose and meaning, but as well, some personal values. So if the transformation it is ambitious as a pencil, the transformation and change will also be ambitious and the targets will be stretched. If the pencil is always reliable, then they will always do what they say and people will trust. If the transformation need is uh, appreciative and inspirational leader, he will also reward and recognize the people who contributed the most to the transformation. So I think the crucial point here is to choose the person who is really matching all those values and is actually later able to, to, to convey these values in their everyday behavior. If we, as transformation leaders, for example, expect other people to follow the change, be also taking proactive approach in, in leading the change, as transformation leaders, we need to be also very positive. We, we cannot be negative people. We, we need to be positive, optimistic. We need to take the crowds behind us. Yeah, I think it's really about getting clear about your values first when people aren't. It's one of these exercises that many people have never done, even, even though they know that they should do it or have done it in a training years ago and don't even remember anything of it. And I think the other point is also to be clear about the strengths that you can bring in into such a situation? Are you someone who can stay positive? Are you someone who can rally the troops for something, who is maybe a, somehow an inspirational speaker, at least in some situations when you are yourself on the right mental level for that? Because then you become inspirational, actually, when you, in your mind things are very clear. And being clear about what you contribute to that, because I think that also adds on to, to the personal change story in a way. Because you don't understand why you are here. You know, what's your place? And how can you contribute in a valuable way to that? And that in turn gives you a lot of confidence as well while you're doing that. And when you have setbacks or obstacles popping up or additional difficulties, you can come back to this and say, hey, I know why I'm here. I know also how I contribute to this. And just refer back to your strengths in this moment that you are a person who can manage this. Because oftentimes we forget it in stressful situations. We, we kick out all the self-awareness that we might have created at some point in our lives out of the window because we are so stressed and so much obsessed nearly by the task that we have ahead of us that we forget all about this. And I think it's important to take that time and sometimes it's just about a few seconds actually and step back and think again about, okay, why I'm here? Who am I? And how does this help me to navigate this change? And taking that time on a regular level throughout your week, coming back also to your week plan and having this as a routine to like ground yourself again in what you're doing here instead of just running in a hamster wheel because that helps you to not have this feeling of running in a hamster wheel. It kind of stops the wheel for a few seconds and then you can run again with a new energy to use that analogy. This is really, I'm very glad you mentioned that because it brings me to another example I remember. So I was leading a transformation at the IT company and my main client was chief transformation officer. And, and I one day asked him, because he was really excellent in what he was doing. And I asked him, why do you think you are so great? Like what makes you so, so great? And 
you never give up and work so hard, etc. And you are also very successful. And then he said exactly what you just said. He said every day when he drives back home from work, he takes time to think about situations he had at work this day and how he could have done better. How he would have done better, maybe a better outcome for his relationships with different employees or better outcome for a project. But that self-reflection and the moment of mindfulness and self-awareness, I think really was what helped him to become better every day. And, and, and that was very inspiring. So there's a lot we could talk about. And thank you for this example. I really like it very much. And I think the self-reflection in the evening, for example, is a great tool to just not lose yourself in the process. And another question you can ask you when you want to do this in a very positive way is also, what have you created today? And just be very, very generous with that because there are many little things you have created today. It doesn't have to be a massive thing that you have created, but little things you have created throughout the day. And if you just write that down, it takes you maybe two minutes or three minutes every evening. Do this for one week and you will see how you feel very different about your contribution and about how you can lead this change and what you can contribute in the future. And it creates some learning also in your, in your head of the mass of things that you're actually doing as a change leader. And I just want to encourage all change leaders to value themselves very much throughout the process because often this is the first thing that, that, that they forget. Yeah, thank you much. Our time is really flying so, so quickly. And thank you for all these insights. And we will put also some notes in the show notes for that, that people can really look at, at the main points that we discussed here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And uh, I hope all the change programs we ever lead are going to be successful. So thanks also to the audience for tuning into Leading Change Conversations today. And if you want to improve your own skills, check out my crisp and effective 90-minute sessions for individuals that I have listed on my website, ulrikaseminati.com, because you'll find there are a bunch of useful online live classes around overcoming procrastination, surmounting change resistance, or influencing through presence, for example. So thank you for listening. And until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and making a difference. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.